On tonight's episode of JV to the Pros, some of the content will be considered adult or mature content. Viewer discretion is advised. Gave you where we started, now we on to something new. Let me introduce you to some of the fresh crew. Hollywood Jack, get yeah, leader of the pack. Corey, I'm your man, Remy coming in stack. Robin with the Y, chilling in the nest. Holding down the crew, can't forget the rest. Queen of Queens, carrying, yeah, she taking no mess. Bring your A game, cause there ain't none less. Paco Lessman standing, yeah, you know how it goes. Rounding out the best, JV to the pros. And we are back with season three, episode five of JV to the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with old reliable at my side virtually, Mr. Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey, the man I can count on week in and week out, and I can count on on the weeks that I don't make the show. Corey, tell me you're there. Please tell me you're there. I am most definitely here. After we introduce everybody, I'm going to let you know why I'm wearing this thing on my head. Usually I wear something tinfoil when we talk about the truth is alien, <laughs> but, but I have my tinfoil hat aside and I'll put that on a little bit later, but I'm you wearing something describe, right. You should describe to the audience what you're wearing because it looks like you're a conehead incognito. Well, when, that, once we get to that topic, we'll do that. How about that? That's a very good point. Let, let me say hello. Let's, uh, let's have, uh, let's introduce Paco to last man standing. hi -o. Uh, Paco, the technical genius. How are we doing, Karen ladies and gentlemen? I have, I have here with me the Queen of Queens, the Queen of Queens, New York. I have Miss Karen. Say hello, Miss Karen. Hello. And she's gone. Okay. And Corey, I know you have the lovely Robin with a Y there. In the nest. Hello. The nest. Hi. Yeah. The producer extraordinaire. <laughs> you know what, yeah. Jack, today I was thinking about, I thought, you know, Jack never sings anymore when he says extraordinaire like he used to. I just, I just did it. I just did it. I, you know what? You want to know something funny? Um, you know, we're going to we're going to get caught up on our on our our weeks. What's what, what, what we've done all week. I know you, you know, the audience knows that I'm, I'm actually shooting three films at once right now. And usually if you're doing one film, staying in character, and when you get to the set, you're in character, you're good to go. And usually nobody makes noise from Robin's end until, you know, the sound check people, you know, call you on it. But anyway, um, I'm doing the scene and I'm memorizing three scripts at once. And for some reason, the girl that I was playing opposite said a cue line that is also the same cue line in another script. And for some reason, <laughs> yeah, this writes itself, right? For oh some reason, gosh. I'm in a car and I'm having a conversation with her and she said the cue line and I went from the script I was on to the script I'm doing this weekend and I began doing the lines from that script, which everybody was just frozen, including the sound person. And I didn't <laughs> understand what the problem was because I knew I had my lines right. Right lines, wrong movie. <laughs> now, now you talk about you talk about that kind of screw up. We have had one of those. Thank you, Paco. We have had one of those um, uh, VHS to DVD transfer machines, so you can put things on disc. But it used to be on to save space. Well, for a year, we haven't been able to play anything on the DVD player because. It's also just an independent DVD player. 
So we haven't been able to watch movies on DVD in the living room. And, we, and we've been wanting to watch the movies you guys loaned us. And I said, finally, I said, Karen, we are buying a new VHS to DVD player. And a friend of mine who's in this business of electronics said, why don't you just unplug it, plug it back in and see if it resets. So I use my massive muscles to pull out the entertainment center on sliders. Good thing it's on sliders. And it slid out. I go back there. And it's been unplugged. <laughs> for a year. <laughs> I put it in. Awesome. Guess what? It works fine. <laughs> That's why we That's call hilarious. you the meatball, Jack. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have had like, I mean, I'm sitting there going, it's a good thing I'm a good actor because I'm an idiot when it comes to most other things. <laughs> so, so how was your how was your week, Corey? My week has been pretty good. So. Uh, for the audience, uh, listening audience, obviously, I have this, uh, what looks like a cone thing on my head. Nibs. A little cap. And it's like kind of like, like a cap. And uh, the reason why I have it on my head, because I actually did it. I took the plunge. And no! Went, you, oh, my gosh. That's what you I did out in the pre-production meeting. You did it. Yes, oh my I God, went. Corey, I'm so happy for you. You got to do it. I went. It. I went <laughs> <No. through> it. <laughs> Such a dork. <laughs> and so, uh, it's coming along. Just to let you know, I mean, of course, it's only been a few days, but it kind of looks like seedlings. Like it's very, it's very sore and it's very tight because they they take the. Uh, hair, the well, hair. No, tell the audience. Tell the audience what the what the plunges you took. It's hair transplant because I was uh, balding too much up front. Didn't have the head shape for it and everything. Just didn't want to be bald. So and I just I, and I. What did I do? I envied you. I said you have no idea how much trouble hair is. You're lucky, yeah. Corey. Corey, you single handedly destroyed what was going to be my gimmick for the whole season. Ah, well. I was going to run every Elmer Fudd joke in the book. <laughs> as a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, <laughs> I was planning to run that sound uh, or, you know, that you remember when Bugs Bunny was uh, being the barber of Seville with Elmer Fudd. And yeah. doing the yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so Corey, you're, you're wearing this, like, it looks like a, it looks like a long ski cap. I mean, it looks like, like they may have added brains. Like you it's got actually like a surgical head. cap. That's what it is. I, I, that's what I was cap. The doctor is in. And it protects. Now, now, let me ask you something. Let me ask you. The audience knows that you and Robin are married. Now, Robin, was this something you pushed for? Not in the least bit. It was completely so. his idea. I think yeah. my husband is extremely sexy. I think that he is very desirable. And I had zero zero problems with his yeah. hair thinning and, that, and that's, so that's the way that, that's the way i see you robin I, I don't think you would have been sitting there saying yeah i need you to be i need to change you now because you're in your 50s you know? no but he had it done and i will tell you it looks great and just today i trimmed down the rest of the hair because it was just the way they did it is they shaved on the top where they put all the little seedlings and the rest of it was still the regular length so I shaved all that down, and oh my gosh, we are going to play doctor once he's healed. I have. Oh wait, you know what? I take that back. I got something. Uh, Corey, 
Um, do you, I, if you want, maybe for your birthday, I can get you a whole, uh, like, shipment of, uh, Soul Glow. Well, I'll tell you what, Corey, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did it, because you, I know you've wanted to do it. I didn't think it was necessary, because I don't agree with you that you didn't have the head for it or whatever. I thought you, I thought you were a very handsome gentleman. I mean, seriously, you know, well, if I decided to play for the other team, you'd be my first date. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. One, I appreciate you guys saying that, but here's the thing. It's all in how we feel about ourselves. And yes. so because I would never, ever describe myself at all as handsome, ever, in this lifetime, um, I just felt that I needed the hair. I didn't like the fact that it was receding. So I just took care of it. And... You know, I think it'll look, I think overall, it'll look a little bit better. It's going to take some time for it all to grow in and the whole process, because like I started to say, they take it from the back and they remove the follicles from your back. So it's, it's surgery. You're awake through it, but you're all numbed up and then they take it and then they bring it forward. And, and they plant so, it, essentially. Let me ask you something, Corey. When yes. you go in there. Like, you know how when women go in for like a boob job or something, they give you an album or, you know, look at, look at different pictures, different I, sizes. Never known that, you like, are there, well, I mean, I got, I got a friend who's a, who's a um, breast surgeon and, and he has these massive books where women right. sit there and, and they say, I'd like this size with this. And, and, and they pick out basically like, like they're, you know, like they're, they're, you know, putting together a mannequin. But right. when you go in there to do this, do you sit there and, and go through a book and say, I'd like this hairline. I'd like, I'd like it to come down this far on my forehead. Is there like a, a Giuliani page or a Joe Biden page? No, what there is, <laughs> I, it's fascinating that you managed to turn this into a political discussion or at least attempting to. <laughs> no, but, no, what they do, what they do is, is that the doctor sits there and he holds the mirror up and he actually has a marker. And he, re he recommended, this is what I want you to do, because we talked it out. And, and, and you pay for the amount of follicles. So in other words, I paid for 2,000 follicles. And so Wait, what they are do... There, are there 2,000 follicles on a head? Oh, there's there are like Yeah, hundreds of thousands of follicles, because 2,000, I mean, he just had this strip that was like half an inch at the most on the back that had 2,000 follicles. Right. I would have never guessed there's 2,000 individual hairs on my head. Wow. And I got a pretty full head of hair. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And probably, probably uh, and if you look, they're even on your knuckles. So, Corey, let me ask you, is every fall, uh, uh, the 2,000 uh, follicles, is that covered by your HMO? <laughs> no, the follicles, no, the follicles is not. Mm. Some of it, some but, of it should be covered by insurance, right? No, and I don't, and I don't have HMO. Is the, is there some, is that a Paco attempted humor? Because I don't have HMO. No, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. We just got our 2021 insurance stuff, and it, uh -huh. and it's been expanded. But if I were going bald like most guys do on the crown of their head, mm -hmm. I literally could get like what you said, like the the hair moved or or plugs put in. And they'll begin growing, and that's part of my insurance. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I mean, so I, I thought I thought your insurance probably covers some of this. No, 
No, it 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 doesn't. And here's the thing. So um, you guys are it's clear. Cosmetic. Yeah, and so here's the thing. So that you guys are clear. Um, so I opted for more of a natural look. So in other words, yeah, I took care of my receding hairline and back, but it gets very thin. It's going to be very thin the further you go back, and then all the way in the back where most people have that little bit of uh, like crater, I'm still going to have that. So it looks a bit more, so it looks natural. Because I am a do man of my- Do you have a, do you have like a yarmulke blank spot on the top of your head? It's not quite at the top, but more or less top It's like back, back here. Like falling in the back, but yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. at your age, that would be pretty natural. That's what- and that's what the doctor and I discussed. And next week, I, I will plug the doctor and we'll plug the clinic. I just don't have it in front of me right now because they did a great job of taking care of me. Um, they even feed you lunch. I mean, they walk you through every step of the way. It was really good. I mean, it was, I mean, it was just now, done. Now, in is, your head, is your head, the reason for the cap is, are you, are you bleeding like a tattoo type? I was. I was um, bleeding a little bit, and it's very tender right now. It's very tender. Careful, Robin. And that just keeps dust off of it and everything, huh? <laughs> you know, don't rub your hands through his hair just yet. <laughs> oh, no one can do that. I have no hair, Robin. You got, 10 huh? years, you got 10 years of marriage, right? Just about. Just Here we go. Take a look. So take a look. No, I'm wait, wait, wait. Don't off. take it off yet. No, I'll give you a drum roll. Puckle. Yeah, give me a drum roll. A drum roll on there. But, but now it's going to be like... You've got a different version of Corey you married to. Oh, hell yeah. Earlier after I trimmed it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Now, so is, it gonna, is it going to be, let me ask you something. Is this going to be like, you know, like dogs that don't shed? They have like one length of hair and it stays that, or does this grow? It's supposed no, to grow. No, this will grow. So it'll be just like hair, like regular. It is hair. You'll, be, you'll, it is you'll, hair. you'll get haircuts. Yes. It's, hair. it's my hair. It's not a hair plug. Oh, I, it's not a hair plug. We've been friends a long time. I don't know why you didn't bring me to this consultation. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I, I, think I, I think I know why you didn't bring me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So in the interest of time and moving on. All right, uh, Paco. Paco, give me do you have anything call. keyword interesting that happened in the last week? Um, No. <laughs> All right. About what we think. But I do. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Robin, we're the why. Yes. What do you got? I got my COVID vaccination yesterday, the first one. Now you know, you know, two weeks ago, Paco said, Okay, we've got five people on the show, and I'm sure everybody's gonna be getting vaccinated. And Karen and I said, I don't think so. And you guys said, I don't think so. We're gonna wait. This thing got rushed through, and now you've been vaccinated. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I just and feel that both of you I don't. Or just you? Both of us. Corey had his first one a couple weeks ago, but I just feel that uh, you know initially, yeah, I was going to wait. But perfectly healthy people are catching COVID and dying, and I am a very healthy woman, but I do have a couple of predispositions, and I don't want to take any chances. So I just decided, you know, I'm going to do it. I think that's a much more powerful statement if you say, I'm a very healthy and sexy woman. That's the way to do it. 
to match my husband. I'll tell you what, that's a that's a big step because I am I am seriously more than fifty percent thinking about doing the, the vaccine. I, I just hate the fact that it, it hasn't had enough time to see the long-term effects, so. I agree with you. I totally agree with you, and I get that, but especially you, you know, being on different sets and coming in contact with so many people and being a limo driver, and, I mean, that just is, like, crazy. You're, you're exposed to so many different people. Well, you, right. know, you know that when I'm doing the, when I'm doing the limo thing, um, I'm enclosed. I'm completely enclosed in a cab that's separate from where the people are in the back partying. So if we can get Paco to make a little more noise. <laughs> because I think Paco's trying to get everybody's attention. He's been trying Let's to move on. Some of the big, big, big news that's gone on this week. I, I, I am leaning toward talking about um, this rogue congresswoman that got elected because she ran unopposed. Do you know her name, Paco? Yes. Her name is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, and her name is it Marjorie or Marjorie? Marjorie, I, Marjorie, I can't pronounce it. Marjorie, yeah, like Marjorie. Okay. So Marjorie Green is a Republican in Congress that has that has the wildest conspiracy theories. I mean, she's on the she's on the cutting edge of everything that's on the extreme to the point where. Majority leader for the Republicans, Mitch McConnell, wants her out of Congress. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Paco, do you know some of the some of the things she believes? Um, yeah, let me fill you in on that. So, uh, Marjorie Green Taylor, sorry, Marjorie Taylor Green, and she is a businesswoman uh, and one of the many figures in the alt right. Essentially, <laughs> believes in just about anything under that falls under the umbrella of the QAnon conspiracies. So give they, us five or ten. Give us five or ten of the of the. I, I heard some of them today, and I thought, how did she run unopposed? I don't even live there. I probably could have won from here. So let me just give you a few. So for example, she is a firm believer that school shootings in recent history have all been staged in one manner or another by the government or other insidious characters or the deep state, as they keep alluding to. For example, yeah, she, she is convinced. She's convinced that they actually hired kids to pretend to have been shot. What an idiot. Like, who? that is so disrespectful to the families of those who have been, who have lost children. Yeah, well, uh, I guess, guys, I guess the families pretended to go to funerals. Well, actually, it gets even worse. Yeah. She's not, I mean, she's just the, well, she's just got to happen to be elected. But this has been going on for quite some time. Ever since uh, Alex Jones started spewing all the nonsense and after the, in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook shootings, there was stories going around that it was a controlled or it was planned or staged altogether. And there were even people saying that these kids never existed to begin with. Right. And then people started right. Paco, going. Paco, Paco, they're called, they're, they're calling them crisis actors in which they they have makeup people that they're claiming that have, you know, put compound fractures on their legs through makeup artists and that kind of thing. Jesus. It is, it is a crazy conspiracy theory but she believes sandy hook was a hoax not not the kind of hopes hoax that, that that trump says oh yeah i've been impeached it's a hoax no trump doesn't know what the word hoax means a hoax means it didn't happen 
And that is and, terrible. She believes Sandy Hook didn't happen. She believes what some of the other uh, disasters she believes didn't happen. Paco. Oh, well, actually, most Parkland. recently, she actually believed that Parkland was staged as well. And as a matter of fact, she even confronted William Ho, who was one of the uh, if you remember him, he was the young man that was uh, advocating for gun regulation. So she actually say what? He was a survivor. Yes. So of the shooting. Right. So he was actually made a victim or he was uh, put on the well, he was put in people's crosshairs the moment he started speaking on live television about the aftermath. And people were saying that he was an actor. He was a, he was a spokesperson. He's just a uh, he's just a puppet for the deep state. And it gets even worse. <clears throat> so she actually physically confronted him one day in D.C. I think this was in recent history. This was in recent memory and saying that you're part of the conspiracy. You're a traitor. Blah, blah, blah. God have mercy on your soul. Okay, Paco, what are some of the things? What I'll help him out. She believes. Let me help him out in the interest, in the interest of... Thanks, Corey. So we you. Don't, Thank you. <laughs> so we don't stay on this person that long. I mean, she has thoughts on the 911 conspiracy. She thinks that the school shootings and various, not just schools, not just Sandy Hook, but various school shootings and other shootings it's all one big conspiracy for gun control. So she has that going on. She also talks about the the Clinton kill list of people that uh, the Clintons are assassinating. She filed for articles of impeachment against uh, Biden one day after um, after his uh, inauguration. So I mean, she's alleging abuse of power. I mean, she's all over the place. And one thing that we didn't say is, is that um, she's a U.S. representative from uh, from Georgia. So and she's from Georgia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, she's, she's all the way out there. I mean, I think we've given her enough time. I think she's a bit of a joke. Um, Who's playing music? We'll see Nobody. what happens to we'll see what happens to her. Uh, through all this, but she said some really, uh, you know, some really stupid things. And we'll, you know, and we'll go from there. I I think it's, Corey, I think it's funny that the Republicans cannot afford to lose any more seats anywhere. And and they're looking to get rid of her. And she's a Republican. <laughs> How bad are you that, like, we're, we're, we're down to nobody on the team and we're willing to get rid of you and still stay in the game? <laughs> Well, so yeah, I think that we've given so, her yeah, enough let, enough airtime. Yeah, let, let, yeah, but I mean, just needed to throw that out there because she's she's remarkably wacky. Anyway, so let's move on. You know, um, uh, Jack. You know what is wacky? What happened last week on Wall Street, or better yet, what happened on Robin Hood? Oh yeah, GameStop. Yeah. Now, do you guys understand this any more than anybody else? Well, for what I, I understand, what it is. Yeah. So you want to give us a little preamble here, Jack? Yeah, just kind of frame it up. Okay. First of all, for many, many decades, uh, the bull and bear market has been truly manipulated. I mean, it seems like brokers for decades have wrangled people in to buy in stocks that they knew were dogs so that they can make their commission and their rich counterparts would make a fortune going the other way, betting on the stock market. Somehow, and I understand the stock market. I mean, I'm in it. I don't understand how GameStop managed to manipulate their own stock to the point where 
it went up to 400 and something, $489 a share when it's actually only worth about 12. And people <laughs> that invested in this ended up cashing out in the 400s and people that invested 60 bucks walked away with 6,000 or $10,000 on 60 bucks, which proportionally is a ridiculous profit. But for some reason, they have figured out a way to manipulate the stock market to the point where nobody sleeps until they can figure out how to keep this from happening again. Now, do you guys, I don't, I even called my investment guy who's been in the business 30 years. And he said, we're still trying to figure this out in full because this was taking everybody by surprise. I love it. I think it's oh, great. I, I think I, th I love that, that the people beat uh, the wall street at their own damn game. Yeah. But I hate the fact that we don't know how this just happened. Like, like we don't know what just happened. It was like a magic trick. I don't know what just, I still don't know what just happened. Now, do you guys, Corey, do you guys understand how this happened? Yeah, I, under, I understand how it, uh, uh, how it happened. I mean, these things have happened before. I think people, if anybody's taken interest in it, because it's, it's GameStop. I think if it was uh, a different type of product, like if it was, you know, IBM, if that's still around or something like that, then I don't think people would bat an eyelash. But I think because it's GameStop, people are thinking like, what? How is it that you're making money off of GameStop? Well, uh, a lot of money you, think, you think because it's not so like not one of the main arteries of the stock market. Like that's a good way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. Yes. Well, thanks. Once in a yeah. while I get lucky. I mean, if I talk yeah. enough, I'll, I'll strike gold. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. actually, uh, guys, GameStop wasn't the only stock that was manipulated during this whole in, uh, this, this instance. It was also other failing companies, especially AMC. As a matter of fact, AMC was saved from bankruptcy this year because of that stunt. So, we nice. have to, but um, I think I can give a little idea of what happened. Okay, Paco, I, I understand the stock. I understand it. But if you understand in very simple terms to the point where somebody who has never been involved with the stock market can, can understand this. I know I sent you some literature and I sent it to Corey. I still don't know what I'm reading. I don't okay. get it. So please explain it to me. So simply put, what's it started off as a joke on a subreddit called Wall Street Bets. A bunch of people who play that use Robinhood, which is basically stock market junior, decided as a prank, how about we, you know, pump and dump the prices of certain brick and mortar stores that have been failing? Obviously, most of these guys are going to go under because, you know, malls that we know have ceased to exist in favor of Amazon and big box stores. And also, this is an excellent way for little guys like ourselves to make some cash. This is normally the game that Wall Street and hedge fund people play on a daily basis. But when they lose money, we're out of a job and they get bailed out in, the next, in November. Whereas for once, this happened. We were the ones that were pulling the strings and now Wall Street is upset about it. And now, actually, as a result of this, they're trying to change the game. So immediately after the price started going up, Rob, Robinhood and several other uh, uh, stock option websites started immediately halting trading on, G, on GameStop stock, AMC, and a few others that I can't bother to remember. But basically, they were censoring and halting people from actually you know, buying more of the stuff. And so they were saying like, oh, so only our rich fans can make all the money in the world. 
but we can't, we just got to deal, you know, trickle down the wealth, if you will. So we got to fight over the pieces here. I know I'm sounding a little Marxist, but it does sound like that. No, no, you're sounding, you're sounding like exactly what I bet you everyone listening to this show right now feels. No, the, mar- the market, the market is set up for the rich to get richer and for, for most of us to kind of scratch our way along and hope to get lucky on some penny stock somewhere along the way. Right. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that has been manipulated for such a long time that, that I, I have hung out with, well, I mean, you guys know, I've got some friends that are actual billionaires and they think it's an absolute joke that people think they're going to get in the stock market and become what they are. They think it's ridiculous and they laugh from the bow of their yachts and they laugh from their Maseratis and their Aston Martins because it doesn't work that way. They managed to get through and now people think they're going to get in the stock market and strike gold. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of when some of the gold was found in, in, in San Francisco and some of the silver was found in, in um, Carson City and people started running from Pennsylvania and Ohio across the mountains because they thought there was gold in the streets. And meanwhile, the people that had discovered the gold had gathered about as much of it as they could. And they just left a few nuggets behind that they simply missed. They didn't leave them behind on purpose. They wanted to get all of it. So this is what it looks like the stock market has come to. It's a big manipulation game. And I have, I have one time walked away from a conversation in which clearly it was going in the direction where somebody was alerting somebody else to some stock that was about to go soaring. And I didn't want to get the information that way and be sharing a cell with Martha Stewart, you know? But the stock market well, I just has think been it's, manipulated. Well, look, Sorry, I, I just mean, think it's. I just think on, it's funny that, that they did it, that regular people did it and got away with it. That's the beauty of it. It's the yeah. little guy, the little guy, David beat Goliath, and we mm-hmm. don't, we still don't quite know how and how they kept it a secret. How how they managed to do this in such a way that the big guys didn't see it coming. They got sucker punched. You know, the best part is, Jack, it's going to keep on going because uh, I got wind of some of my I have a few friends that trade frequently on Robinhood and a few other platforms like E-Trade. No way. You got a few friends. Yeah, I got a few. (laughs) (laughs) No. So so let me tell you something, Paco. And and I know this as a fact, and I'm sure Corey will, will back me on this. But right now. They are not sleeping on Wall Street. They're on the south end of Manhattan, and they're going to make sure that they don't get screwed around like this ever again because they are about to change the rules to make sure this does not happen ever again. And it goes back to screwing the little guy and raking up the money as fast as you can at the top. That's the system they like in place. Well, in other in other financial news, um, the for the fourth quarter of 2020, um, Amazon topped a hundred billion dollars in sales, and Jeff Bezos has stepped down as CEO. Well, he stayed. He stepped down as CEO, but he's still very much involved with the workings. He's got nothing more to prove there, and he's got other interests going on. But mm-hmm. he's still. He's still going to be making, 
you know, a billion dollars a month. Of course, know. but he yeah. stepped down as the CEO. Right, but he's still got his hand on the pulse of everything. I give Bezos credit. I mean, few people, I mean, Richard Branson comes to mind. I love um, Richard Branson. I love him too. But I mean, these are guys that are truly self-made. And yep. I gotta respect the heck out of those people. But, um, but Bezos did it through blood, sweat and tears. He did it from hard work. And um, you look at, you look at um, Elon Musk, I mean, yeah. Elon Musk made $140 billion in the, like the last three months, which was the entire worth of Gates. <laughs> and he wow. did it in three months. I mean, I think those Teslas are doing well. Yeah. Well, you know, the prices come down on them, too. And there's more, there's one model that, well, there's probably more than one model, but I know there's at least one model that is for, like, the more normal person you know i remember several years ago when the first time i ever saw a tesla i took a picture of it and i sent it to my son damien and i said what kind of car is this i love it and he told me and i started researching it and i went down i sat down and i i created a fantasy vehicle for myself and at that time it was like a hundred and seven thousand i mean yeah a hundred and seven thousand dollars and i was like okay, this will remain a fantasy up there on that shelf, you know? And now I know that they're far more affordable for people like you. Well, wait a second. So you looked at a car that you were in love with for $107,000, and you guys went, on one hand, we could have a Tesla. On the other hand, hair transplants. Which do we do? Well, since the hair transplant wasn't $100,000, we opted for the hair transplant. <laughs> no, no, you know, you know what? And Corey... You, you remember when calculators first came out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How much were they? $200, $300? Yes. Right. And all of a sudden, they were $498. <laughs> because they're yeah. selling so many of them, the price is going down. But I'll tell you what. Few people realize that Tesla has surpassed Toyota. I mean, people could buy Toyota, you know, a Toyota with with the change they found in their sofa. I've got a Toyota that's got 600,000 miles on it, still runs like new. I'm sure the guy that made it is hanging in a dungeon somewhere in Tokyo. But the fact is, Toyotas were everywhere. And the price of Toyotas was down to like $4,000, $5,000 for a brand new Toyota. A hundred years ago. Well, yeah. I, bought, I bought that one in 85. Okay, that's a hundred years ago. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to kids today. But I yeah. mean, it was $4,400 brand new. Brand new. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but Teslas are, are, because they're selling, and I'll tell you what, everywhere I drive, I see Teslas on every block. They're everywhere. And they're yeah. great cars. And you know yeah. what? I, I, I don't think they use much gas. No, they don't, because they're electric. I drove one once, and I it was like driving. I mean, I've never I've never piloted an airplane, but the way it's so quiet and it accelerates so quickly, and it was just exhilarating, absolutely exhilarating. Now, the speed Robert, what's and the, the number? Oh. What's the number? And what would it have to get down to for you to tap Corey on the shoulder and say, you know what? I'm trading in. What do you drive now? You drive a Hyundai or a Nissan? No, you drive? I drive a 4Runner, Toyota 4Runner. Okay. Well, okay. I was way off when I said Nissan. You know, come on. <laughs> so You're way off with a Hyundai. 
Well, I mean, what, no, what, no, what would the number have to come down to for you to tap Corey on the shoulder and say, you know what? Get in a Tesla. Uh, 53,000. Well, that's a pretty exact number. Corey, if you happen to find 53,000 in the bank and then it's gone tomorrow, expect a new car in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, Paco, credit where credit's due. You did a pretty good job of explaining the, the stock. I just, I don't, I don't understand the model, but maybe we'll approach this another time. But we'll, we'll move on. I'll make um, it quick for you. I, I, Ever heard I, of Jordan I, Belfort? Same thing. Jordan Belford. Corey, who's who's Jordan Belford? Corey, no tell me. I have no idea. No I idea. Have... Yeah, we, 80% of the show has no idea who Jordan Belford is. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm failing to – is it – okay, real talk. Are you guys being legitimate or are you guys screwing around? No, no. I have no idea who it is. Okay. The Wolf of Wall Street is based on is a fictionalized version of the life of Jordan Belfort. He was a convicted stock swindler. He ran a pump oh, and dump. Was, oh, okay. That's what okay. I was say. That was yep. him. Got it. Got it. It's a pump so, and dump. So he's Leonardo, he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So where do we go? Where, where, where are we going from here? You want to take a break? Let's take Murph a break. Back. I need to check Murph. my, my, uh, my let's portfolio. Take, let's take a breather. Let's take a breather. Right. Merciful. Yes. <laughs> hey guys, I'll let you know how my uh, my my, uh, my portfolio is doing wait, wait. after this. Okay, okay, JV to pros. We're gonna sign out for a couple of minutes. We'll be right back after you hear from one of our sponsors. So I was checking into BarNoneOne.com and seeing all that they offer. Bar None the number one.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Bar none can be contacted at 619-952-9414. And that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing. So they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 619 619- 952-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV that the pros sent you. JV to the Pros, Season 3, Episode 5. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey. Here I am. All right. Now, Corey, here's your time to shine. What are we doing here? <laughs> we'll have a little bit of fun here uh, and talk about a place that I am most interested in going to visit. It is a little remote island off of Chile, and it's called Easter Island. If you're familiar with Easter Island, first off, it got its name by an, a Dutch explorer by the name of Jacob Rogevien. And if I have mispronounced his name, I'm sorry, Jacob. 
And so he landed on this island in 1722 on Easter Sunday, and that's how it got its name. But more importantly uh, than all of that and what makes that island so interesting are the 887 stone figures, 13 feet, 14 ton stone monoliths of faces that are spread all throughout the island. Nobody knows why they were built or even how they were moved around. Because you think about it, 14 tons, that's kind of a lot, right? Like the three of us, maybe we could lift a Volkswagen. We could probably lift my car, right? You think we can yeah, lift we, my car? We talked about we talked about the building of the pyramids and how they arrived with the shifting of sand and using leverage and physics, and they were able to move enormous blocks of stone. Remember, we talked about this that they finally came to that conclusion that it had to have been. So this must have been a similar system. Yeah, what I find interesting is why they built it in the first place, and nobody knows. And it's uh, the name of the people, the indigenous people on the island. They're called the uh, Rapa Nu, N-U-I. Robin with a Y is not here to correct my uh, enunciation, but I believe it's Nu, Rapa Nu, N-U-I, the people, Polynesian people, basically. And they have this, they carbon dated, uh, the uh, monoliths to be built around 1100 AD. No one knows. So the 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 monoliths are made of Vulcan ash, and uh, the structures are put all around the island. Some of them on the beach, some of them a bit further back, but they're all over the place. And it's obvious that they were moved. And so, what I find interesting is is that there is this conspiracy theorist. His name is Scott Warning, if you guys ever heard him. Let me get my hat on. Got to get my tinfoil hat on. Don't get near any sockets. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Uh, Scott Warning, who I would love to talk to on this show, by the way. And so he has some really interesting theories all over the place about, especially about Mars. And so he is convinced that... What is on Easter Island is also on Mars. He's convinced that that photo that was taken of uh, by the Viking in 1976 of that so-called face on Mars. Oh, I remember he's this. Yes, he's convinced that that is something that was also on Easter Island. He believes that the individuals on Easter Island that were once living on Easter Island left and are now on Mars. So he kind of goes back and forth because he's also said that people from Mars have come down and helped out the Polynesian people to build the monoliths and they have taken them away. And now that they're living on Mars. So it's really interesting, Scott Warning, uh, he's very popular. Look him up sometime. He's got all kinds of theories. Now, the reason why I don't completely laugh about it, because it, um, and we'll put the pictures on our Instagram and everything else. Again, 
why would you build 887 structures like that? I mean, what is the purpose of doing that? And I'm throwing that out there as a, as a question to the two of you. Why do you think something like that would even be built? What's the purpose? Well, hang on a sec. Now, you know, <clears throat> back way back when, when there was an eclipse, people thought the gods were mad at them and they took away yeah. the sun for a period. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of superstition, a lot of, um, you know, they, they didn't have the advantage of, yeah, we, of the intelligence and, and the stuff that we deal with from, I'm wondering if this was some sort of a superstitious offering to the gods that they thought, you know, how people were easily manipulated and, and kind of drawn in. Yeah. I, and I can definitely, I can definitely buy that. I mean, I, here's what, I, here's what I'll say. And I'll grant you that. I mean, in Egypt, they did a lot of that, right? All total in Egypt, there are 118 pyramids, all total, like little ones and all that kind of stuff. We only think of the big ones. 118 all total. That's a lot. So think about that, 118, but we're talking 887. You must have really thought that the gods were pissed off at you if you build that many and then drag them all around and strategically. Or, or they could have thought, okay, if one brings you some good luck, two brings you more good luck, 887 should take care of things. <laughs> now that's fascinating that you say that Mr. Jack because there are some scientists who have taken the soil samples around the uh uh around several of the monoliths and they have uh they have said that whatever is in the monoliths helps boost the soil most specifically for the growth of bananas, taros and sweet potatoes. And sweet potatoes is their uh, was their main food, so you might have a little something there with that. So they 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 were looking at it as as a way maybe to stay alive. Like if they they got a little bit and they thought okay more gets us more, and they just kept investing. And sure, here's the thing: if they could build one, they could build five, they could build ten. As long as they know how to build one, they can build eight hundred of them. Yeah, it's a lot. And then to drag them around. And then the thing also for me that I find fascinating is just what they look like. So in other words, who were they, who were they pattering the faces at? What did they see? It's not like they have the internet or comic books. What did they see to make them carve that? Well, here's, okay. I mean, I'm obviously just kind of go, you know, shooting from the hip here. That's right. what it's all about. Right. So, so you know how there was always this mystery about the smile on the Mona Lisa. Like what was she smiling about? And yes. It wasn't until about 15 years ago, 15 years ago, they realized doing a 5,000 point check of the face that the smirk was what Leonardo da Vinci would look like as a female. It was his own face as a female, which that's the smirk. Now I'm wondering if the faces on this represented either leaders, people they trusted, gods they believed in, um, 
It could have been a tribute to those that may have died while while building these things. Um, there's a lot of avenues. I mean, there must be a reason they put faces on them at all, because you don't need to put faces on them unless it represents something. Right? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So, you're exactly right. And where I was going with this is that I'm wondering if they if it was something that they saw. But the question is something that they saw, was it from this earth? Right. Right. And and you remember that um movie Cowboys and Aliens? I do. Where where like it seemed like nobody in Hollywood thought if there are aliens now, why wouldn't there have been aliens in the during the Wild West? Like yeah. why didn't anybody think of that? And if and if there are things visiting from elsewhere, I mean it would be I've always said it would be extraordinarily, ridiculously, extremely arrogant to think we've got this whole universe and we're the only life. <laughs> I mean, what a waste of building permits. <laughs> exactly. And you and you have maintained that from the, uh, from the start. And, you know, and I agree with you. I, I, I think it's it is arrogant to think that that it's just, you know, that it's just us out. Uh, right. You know, and I mean. I'm trying to give you as many clues as possible because I mean, there's really no evidence that I'm a, I'm a normal human being. Clearly I could be from elsewhere. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you could be, and you know, um, we talked about this a lot when we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we had that um, Bible segment on the truth is alien, which was really interesting. What a great segment that was. That was a great segment. Yeah, it really, uh, it really was a great segment. And the thing is, is that the more primitive people were, the more apt they were to believe things. So in other words, they were more open to believe in things. And so I think that things that they were, if things were in fact coming down, I think they were coming down because they were accepted. So I think, or, why not? I mean, you go. Even, you even, even the most unusual thing in regard to nature could have been regarded as something from out of this world because people sure. weren't smart enough to, to have all, all this information that we now have. Certainly. Well, look, if we look, if the three of us went back in time and we had a cell phone, a gun, a flashlight and a lighter, we would and be gone. A Roomba. Throw in a Roomba. Yeah, Harumba. We would be gods. I mean, think about that. Right. We would be gods. Right. If I stood before people 150 years ago and I pulled out this rectangular thing and I hit a button and the light went on in my house. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm in charge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, I think people um, explain things as as quickly and as satisfactorily as they could so that it made sense. I'm going to tell you something that as you were talking, Corey, I, I know I had this conversation with you a few months ago, but here we are. It is now 2021. Mm -hmm. And I still attend funerals in which everybody is paying their respects and there's the casket. And if it's an outdoor ceremony, Somebody looks into the sun in the clouds 
and says, oh, look at that. Look at that, the way it's shining. That's a sign. They're trying to... People still do that now. And we're loaded with intelligence. People still sit there and go, oh, the sunset. That was for us. Just because he wanted to let us know he loves us before he leaves. Yes. And that's 2021. You, you are very, you're, you're right. You're right. It, yeah. it, it, takes me, it takes me back to when I went to visit some friends in Scandinavia and we were in the woods, in the snow, mind you, hanging out, waiting for, because they said on this particular day, that's when the banshee would come in the woods. I kid you not. They were not kidding with me. We were freezing. Our fingers and toes and everything were freezing. When we went back to the house, the parents were like, oh, did you see it? Now, unless it was one big hoax for the dumb Americans, I'm telling you that they believed it. They even brought out this book. They brought out this book and they were showing me about different things in the woods and everything. And this is what happens. And I'm like, okay, you know, so you're right. There are people that still have those things. I mean, look, um, the Native American side in my family, uh, some of them are very superstitious. Yeah. There are some people in my family, like cousins, they believe if you go to bed thirsty, your spirit will wander. You know, they, I mean, there's, it's things like that. So it's like, you know, where did it come well, I mean, from? I mean, think about, think about the bedtime prayer. Now I lay yeah. down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. Basically, I, I could be going to sleep for the last time. Yes. I mean, yep. there were, the people lived in fear of, of keeping God or the gods happy. And this has been going on for hundreds of thousands of years. You're right. And you know, Jack, I'll throw something else at you. The same people that will laugh at... Uh, some of this stuff, and oh, there are no aliens and that kind of stuff. Those are the same people that believe in karma when they say, I mean, how many times have somebody said, oh, well, you know what? Karma's going to get you. Like there's some mystical force that plays get Now, Now, let me tell you something. I do believe from a very logical standpoint that, that if the universe is to be balanced, what you what you put out there, poetic justice comes your way. Like if, if you do the right thing by people, the right thing will come to you. And you know what? It might be a mindset. It might be something that you somehow push that energy out there. And that energy comes back to you because we are bowls of energy. And, sure. and I sit there and I do believe, I do believe that if you're a terrible, rotten person, terrible, rotten things are going to happen to you. And if you're a really good person, you know, you may not get all the good back that you put out there, but you certainly will get more good than bad back to you. I, I You know what? This warrants a big time discussion. And here's what I will say, but I, I love what you just brought up. And I would love to have a conversation and we could probably spend the entire time talking about karma. But here's why I disagree with karma. Because... Think about all of, like, say, victims of serial killers. We brought up the victims at Sandy Hook, those little kids. 
How in the how does karma even relate to something like that? Victims of Ted Bundy, victims of uh, Gacy, um, Manson. Charles Manson. I mean, all of these all of these notorious uh, killers throughout history that have done these horrible things. How is that karma? Or some of the things that I've seen overseas and some of the atrocities that I've seen overseas by bad people that they've done to others, to innocents. Well, you, See, and that's why both, you and I both know that friends and families of these victims of horrible crimes tend to say, well, God must have wanted them now. Uh, because we call, say it. Call, it, call them home yeah. type of yeah. thing. To make ourselves feel better. Right. We say it to make it's our, just, and it's that's self-medicating. Right. Yeah, it's self-medicating. Like, like, do you have any friends? Do you have any, you ever had like, a, of like a friend, a female friend, she gets screwed over by a guy and she says, well, you know what? Karma will get him. She's making herself feel better. I mean, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, in my younger days, I was, I was definitely a player and I, I can tell you, I got to see karma very firsthand and I don't know whether you know, girls knew that I was seeing other girls behind their back or, or what, but karma got to me. And there were many times where I thought, oh, great, I got a handful of women. They don't know about each other. And all of a sudden, they find out about each other and they're all gone. So then how now, is it? So then let me ask you this, then. If that is the truth, if that's the thing with karma, which I, because I think it flies in the face of people that are religious, and people that are non-religious, I think it's it's illogical on both sides when they argue it. Because the, the religious people, they're telling me that the God that you worship plays get back. Right. That, plays, yeah. that, 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 that goes against, right. that goes against they, everything they preach about God. Exactly. And then they say, oh, God, God will be, he'll be, he'll get you for right. being human. And if you dare, if you dare sin, we all sin. You'll go to hell. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I don't know if I want to follow this guy into battle. <laughs> and then for the people that actually believe in karma, what I always tell them, karma's asleep at the wheel. Because I don't know, because there's a lot of bad and maybe maybe not so much, maybe not all bad, but we'll say apathetic. A lot of so much apathy in the world, so much murder. I mean, think about it in this world. We can't go a day in this world without murder, without somebody killing each other. So karma is karma's asleep at the wheel. That's my that's my well, feeling on karma. If you commit murder and you're enjoying being a murderer and having your freedom to go grab a gun and commit murder, and you get caught and you're put into a four by eight cell in which all your freedoms are taken away from you. And basically you're put into a torturous situation where you have to fight to stay alive every day. Oh yeah. The fun's over. You were having a good time and this could be chalked up to karma, but I see. I don't call it karma. It's the best. It's the best we can do as a society in regard to justice and also to try to make a family feel like something has been done. Yeah, and I think, and it's fine. And so I think it relates to 
like you said about um, people doing things to make themselves feel better. And I think it relates right. to Easter Island. They built those things to make them feel better. That's why we shouldn't necessarily laugh at those people because I think maybe 500 years from now, people are gonna laugh at us when we talk about karma or people will laugh at us when we talk about, oh, you know what? There's nothing else out there up in space and it's gonna sound probably so ridiculous to the future Corey and Jack who are doing um, uh, JV to the pros on Jupiter or Saturn or something like that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that there's this immense area outside of earth. Why would that be there? If it doesn't have a use a form and an activity, it doesn't have, it doesn't make sense. Why would that right. all be there? If not to right. perpetuate something. Yeah, it's like our oceans. Our oceans are full of all kinds of marine life that we've yet to even really see. <laughs> I was going to say full of plastic. No, just <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, once well, again, once again, we are still discovering again, new new species of sea life. Yeah. Here we are. We've gone to the deepest depths of the ocean, and we're still discovering new species in the yes. ocean that we've never come across before. I agree. Well, I know we are... Uh, I'll tell you again. one thing I want to say. I'll bet you the first guy that caught the first octopus had to have thought that was from another planet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bet. I bet. Well, we're, we're, we're up against it here, but once again... Um, we're getting the yellow signal from Baco. So yeah, but this, yeah, that I'll tell you what, we need to attack that topic because you and I, you and I are on a seesaw about it. And it's good. It's pretty cool. We'll go, we'll revisit that. Yes. Yeah. We'll put that. Yeah. We'll put that in the hopper. We'll, we'll uh, come back. And uh, let me, let me say one other thing with the truth is alien um, for both you and Paco to watch next week on I believe it's Netflix, guys. There's going to be an entire special on the Cecil Hotel and all of the murders and disappearances. Oh, I saw that. It's on Discovery Plus. I caught that. Yeah, now, it's going to be on Discovery Plus. We don't have Discovery Plus, but I can't watch TV without Discovery Plus being advertised. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even watch a DVD of my own without that being advertised. <laughs> so you see... We here at JV to the pros, we're ahead of the game. So now they're trailing behind us talking about the Cecil Hotel. But we did right. that last year. We talked about Cecil last year and all of the deaths. So they're going to hey, go. We have, through. we have talked about the fact that I've run into people from Fox Sports who listen to our show. And he didn't realize that I was one of the hosts of the show. <laughs> yes. He's recommending the show to me. I'm like, it's my show. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I have Discovery Plus, giving them a free plug here, but um, uh, I'll watch it and then I'll come on and I'll let you guys know what it is. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to say anything more than what we've already talked about. We've dis discussed the uh, Cecil, but I'm going to do my own research to see if there's any news about if they're going to reopen it, what they're going to do with it. Uh, I'll let you guys know. Um, I'm going to make some calls 
to see what's going on with the property. Now, are you there. two guys both watching that special? I, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. I know I will watch it. So am I. And uh, okay. so, and but then okay. I'll, like I said, I'll have some news for you about what's going on with the actual hotel itself. I'm going to make some calls up there to the Chamber of Commerce and uh, get some information. Yeah, we'll we'll get it. We'll get in there. All right. I'll tell you what. Yeah. You want to put a bow on it or you got some more for us? No, no. Let's put a bow on this. All right. Paco, we'll take a two-minute break, and we'll go into uh, a little entertainment and sports. We got a couple of icons that have passed on. We're going to recognize them, and then we'll talk about the big game. You got Just it, right. Froze back in about two minutes. What do you say? Yep. I say, I say decide for yourself because the truth is always alien. Decide for yourself. Perfect. Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court, realized they have to face Paul Sorrentino, and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900. And rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. And we are back for our final segment of JB to Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner Corey the Iron Man Ramsey. Corey, what do you say we do a little a little entertainment? Some entertainment news, and then we'll go yeah. into sports and talk about the big game on Sunday. Let's uh let's do it to it. Let's do it to it. So okay. uh, so um couple of couple of big losses um yeah. this week. Yeah. And um well, we had we had Cloris Leachman pass mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. which, I mean, frankly, I loved her on Rhoda. Yeah, I I loved her on I loved her on a lot of things, but I really appreciated her. And most people don't even remember her from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, I do. Great movie. Great, great Good for movie. you. Yeah, because she had that scene where she played the prostitute with yes. Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. And and I thought she was 
fantastic in that. And, yeah. um, and, and she's had a magnificent, unbelievable, spectacular career. And, um, and I'm glad, and I'm glad you brought up Rhoda. Um, because that was again, one of those groundbreaking shows. And I think, you know, for people who didn't watch television in the seventies, like Jack and myself, and they feel like that, uh, you know, how women are portrayed. I challenge them to go back and look at shows like that. Shows like Mary Tyler Moore, and of course the spinoff uh, of Rhoda and how controversial it was for Rhoda to get a divorce from Joe because Joe had been cheating on her. And that was a, and that was a big deal in the seventies. As a matter yeah. of fact, the cover of the cover of TV guide that week literally had a tear down the middle with Valerie Arbor on one side and Joe on the other had a tear of them breaking up. Yeah. It was, it was Rhoda and Joe split. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody was like, why would they split? I mean, she ran through New York with a wedding dress on and got on the subway to get married. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, just some quality. And, and, and I'll tell you something. One second. I'll just, I'll tell you something else. You talk about groundbreaking of Rhoda being, she was actually a spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show where she played a neighbor to Mary Tyler Moore. But they, Rhoda was the one that pointed out the f- extreme frustration of being a single woman in the 70s, trying to keep her weight down, keep attractive, try to find a guy find a guy who might fall in love with her, find a guy who might fall in love with her and marry her. I mean, it's a trifecta that she was trying to do. There's a scene where, where Valerie Harper as Rhoda is on Mary yeah. Tyler Moore and Mary Tyler Moore hands her, you know what I'm talking about, hands her like a, a tray of candies. And Rhoda said, you know what? Who am I kidding? I should just tape these to my thighs. They're going to end up there anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the depression of the battle to stay attractive enough to get a guy stay attractive and appealing enough to get a guy who might fall in love with them, stay attractive and appealing enough and have that long-term possibility to marry going through all that constantly and, and failing and failing and failing and continuing to date the frustration women went through. That was groundbreaking. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, uh, you had this spinoff that we, you know, the aforementioned Cloris Leachman, right? It was uh, called Phyllis. Do I have that right? Phyllis? Right, Phyllis. Yeah, Phyllis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. I mean, now, I mean look, we, also, we, we also lost somebody that I think Paco will be more familiar with than, than uh, Cloris Leachman and Rhoda and all that. It was Dustin Diamond. Yeah, from guys. Screech. Screech from Saved by the Bell. Stay by the bell. And yeah. um, a friend of mine, uh, Joey Romano, Larry Romano's brother from uh, King of Queens, um, worked with him on Stay by the Bell. I think he did a season on there. And um, he, he found him to be tremendously entertaining. But, but Dustin absolutely had a dark side. He was dealing with his own demons after the show went off the air because he didn't have the success Mario Lopez got to enjoy. Right. 
Yeah. So, so Dustin Diamond finds out three weeks ago he's got stage four cancer, and three weeks later he's passed away. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I just found out today a friend of mine I've known for over 30 years, um, seven shortness of breath, went in the hospital, stage four. He's got stage four. I was like, how is that possible? This guy just retired. I mean, he was a mailman. He, he delivered mail. He was healthy, as healthy can be, and he was enjoying his years of retirement. Anyway, so, yeah, my, my buddy Mario just got, got bad news, um, stage four. Um, and um, so, you know, we're going to have a, a, a big dinner with him. But, you know, this is cancer, man. It's like, anyway. Um, uh, you know, I what I can say. Far about, track. No, no, I mean, what I'll say about Dustin Diamond, um, one thing, uh, I met him when I went to Disneyland several years ago and was just, um, he was a nice guy. Um, I can say that. And just, um, just the people that I was with, they actually recognized him and said, Oh my goodness, that, that screech. And I was like, I, I didn't watch the show. And I, and, and then the people that I was with, they went up and, and he gave a couple minutes, just conversation. He just seemed to be a nice guy. That's the other, that's one thing. So he was generous and, with his time, huh? Yeah, I mean, two minutes, I mean, you figure, look, I mean, we're in a huge amusement park, it's summertime, and he has these five people come up to him. I think he was, I think like you said, the segue into what you said, I think he was happy that he was recognized because let's face it, uh, Mario Lopez was more recognizable. Um, uh, Tori Spelling, who was on there, right? She was on there for a little bit. Um, Leah Romini, wasn't she on there for a time? No, no, I'm thinking of the uh, the girlfriend to Zach. She was very recognizable because she was kind of a, a pinup. Um, yeah, then she made Showgirls, and we both know how that went. <laughs> well, I know Elizabeth, Elizabeth um, Berkeley. That's Elizabeth, her name. Elizabeth Berkeley. Yes, Elizabeth yeah. Berkeley, but also, um, but even Tiffany Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who was that's on the show. I was, that's what I was she thinking was more of. Popular. She because right. she went on to 90210, right? Right. right. Um, and and um, God, I'm trying to think who else was on that on that um, show. Hey, I by the way, guys, by the way, I by the hold way. up. Can I uh, introduce? Tiffany, hang on, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I I worked on 90210, and I'll tell you what, she's prettier in person. She's one of those people who are prettier in person. Very very pretty girl. So what were you saying, Paco? I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, back on, oh, I just don't want to get too much into it, but Mario Lopez, my dad actually knew him growing up. Well, he's from your neck of the woods. That's right. He went to Chula Vista High. He was a wrestler, but he also uh, did some karate back in, down in TJ in the, uh, in the early 80s, all the way till, like, you know, when he got more popular. And eventually he had to just move to Los Angeles all entirely. Yeah, but I mean, Screech, I'll tell you what. I know that I know that Screech, um, Dustin Diamond, I shouldn't call him Screech, um, had a had um a series of auditions for sitcoms for supporting roles. And I think he's really happy he didn't end up on Growing Pains because he was up for the role of Boner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
And then we lost one other person, right? Yeah, we lost we lost absolute veteran golden age actor, thoroughbred of actors, Hal Holbrook. Yeah. And um he he put his stamp on his career by doing the one man Mark Twain show, which he was yeah. absolutely perfect as Mark Twain. But people don't remember he was in All the President's Men. He was yes. in he was in one of the Dirty Harry movies. Magnum Force. He was in Mag- Magnum Force. Yeah. <laughs> he was um he was on The Sopranos. And yeah. and anyway, I I got to go backstage after his show and I've got some pictures with him. I will I will post on our Facebook and Instagram. Um but he is he was an absolute gentle talent, a giant in the business. And he had worked with everybody at one point or another. He was, he was like, when I say a thoroughbred, this guy could have done anything as an actor. I mean, he just was amazing. And he also, he had the kind of voice that could also command you, but also it was fatherly. Like, if you recall him in Wall Street, and he yeah. had a few, he had a few scenes in Wall Street, and he would always just come around the corner and give Charlie Sheen some really good advice, and he just had that voice like, "You better listen to him." Right. This now the funny thing him. is, he was the really really bad guy in Magnum Force. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was. Uh, and, he, and, he was and he was deep throat. He was deep throat. In all the president's yes. men, I mean, this yeah. guy was really versatile. I mean, I wish I had gotten to actually work with him, but I spent a couple hours with him, and I'll cherish that time. I, I was so glad we took pictures because, to me, he may be one of the top seven or eight best actors in the last sixty years. And frankly, <laughs> I think he was a better actor than Marlon Brando. Wow. Okay. Well. Um, I will not go that far, but I think that's something that we should put in the hopper and maybe discuss uh, maybe next yeah. week or after that about uh, actors and actresses who we think are the best. I, I yeah. love, I really like Hal Holbrook, but um, I would not put him up there with a giant like, uh, like Brando. Well, you see, well, I'll, I'll justify, I'll justify that when we do, when we do that conversation but, yeah, um, I have yeah. I have a very good reason. I have a, a series of good reasons, but I have a one one big reason, and we'll talk about it another time. Why I think someone like Hal Holbrook was a true performer actor, whereas I don't I don't see Marlon Brando in Holbrook's in his league. Sure, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a name. You being an yeah. actor. And I think he is one of the best. So how you feel about Hal Holbrook is how I feel about a guy by the name of William Wyndham. W-I-N-D-O-M. Look him up. You have seen this man everywhere. You and I are close in age. And I promise you, you could not have turned on the television between 1960 and I'm going to say Nine, at least 1995 and not have seen him. Is he, is he a pure character actor? 
pure character actor was everywhere. Everywhere. You know, the advantage, and my agent talked to me about this many, many years ago, the advantage to being a character actor is you really can work almost nonstop. Whereas if you're a recognizable face, you, you, you kind of get cornholed into having to play either certain characters or characters people associate you with. And I chose because I'd rather a production ride on my shoulders instead of being a supporting character. But supporting character actors, not only do they make a fortune, but they just fly under the radar. They are never the pie in the face guy. They are never the target. And, and I think that's, I think that's, we should talk about this some other time, but, but, but I'm going to, now I got to look up this Wyndham guy because I, I may have worked with him and not realized it. You probably, I wouldn't be surprised if you have, I mean, movie wise, he's been in everything from To Kill a Mockingbird to Planet of the Apes on television. He's every, he's everywhere. Twilight Zone, Star Trek, and I mean prominent roles. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, was he on? Was he on the old Twilight Zone? Yeah, he was on the old Twilight Zone. Tell me he a famous played, one. Um, he played a, a famous Twilight Zone episode that he played. It was uh, five characters in search of an exit, and he played oh, the general. Oh, in the in the in the tube. Yes, the general in there in the military system. That's William Wyndham. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'd seen him a million times. That's what I said. You've seen wow. him. Wow, now times. I know who it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. On one was, a, on one was a ballerina. One was a, yes. one was a clown. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. On Star Trek, he was Commodore Decker on the episode uh, The Doomsday Machine um, where uh, he ends up dying inside of the Doomsday Machine, if you recall that from the original series. He's everywhere. Like I said, you just look him up and yeah. look up his film, look up his, um, his TVography and your jaw will drop. He was everywhere. You know, like, I'll, check his, I'll check his bio. But, yeah, um, check his bio. I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, not, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The name, the name didn't ring a bell at all. All right. Let's get on to the big game. So before we get to the big game, a uh, couple of things in sports, a um, couple of stupid people in sports. Um, uh, I give the idiot award to two different people. One is the soon to be out of the league, Chad Wheeler, offensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks who beat up his girlfriend. You can take a look at the pictures online. Beat her up. I don't up. think I want to. I'll take your and, word for it. And so here's what he did. Here's, here's how he got caught. He beat her up and he choked her. He choked her unconscious. Then she came to. He woke up. I mean, she woke up and he said, oh, you're still alive. She goes to the bathroom. She runs to the bathroom, calls the police. And fortunately, he's taken away. The Seahawks have since cut him. I don't think he'll ever play again. But his thing was that he wanted his wife, to, uh, his girlfriend, to bow to him. So he beat her up when she didn't bow and get on her knees in front of him. Just a terrible human being. 
an absolute. How did, how did this guy? How did this guy go on this long without this coming up? I, that's a damn good question. So think maybe Morris will come out about this guy. I mean, if he's in his if he's in his mid twenties, late twenties, mm-hmm. he's had to have had other women in his life. And if he starts out by saying, "Hey, you know, I really like Seinfeld, and I like women to bow before me," how long does that go on without okay. somebody saying, "You know, calling the police on him"? Well, here's what I'll tell you: I know he's from USC, so I know he he has he might have some ties to uh, Carol, and I don't know. I need to investigate and I don't want to uh, throw Carol under the bus, but I need to take a look and see what else there is. To I'll this tell guy. you what, this story, I thought it was going along the lines of that running back from Baltimore with the elevator and he knocked the, his, his fiance out. Oh no, this is, this is a much more deeply disturbed. Yeah. This guy is, there's no way anybody, I don't think most people would want to do business with them hire him, have him around. I mean, he's going to jail for attempted murder. Yeah, he absolutely, he absolutely should. Now he said um, after his arrest that he was going to retire from football, big deal because no one's going to take you and get his life together after the incident. Um, But he thought he killed her. That's the thing. He thought he killed her and was very casual and just beat wow. her and just beat her down. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, let's let's see how this whole thing unfolds. But um wow. Then we got another who else? Who else, who oh, else you got? Stuart Baker. And so uh there's a there's an Indian uh soccer league, right? And the team is called uh Odisha. So I'm gonna just read to you why this particular coach was fired, and you tell me what you what you hear on this this is what got him fired and i quote you need decisions to go your way and they don't i don't know when we're going to get a penalty i think one of my players would have to rape someone or get raped himself if he was going to get a penalty unquote wow so this guy compares playing a soccer game and not getting a call his way to his players raping someone. Oh my God. His players getting raped. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. I, I would hope you wouldn't want to. <laughs> right. I mean, so he got fired immediately. Immediately. Gone. Wow. Wow. Okay. Right. Holy smokes. <laughs> exactly. Wow. <laughs> okay, hey, so, right. I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a short list of idiots like this. Uh, well, that's all I have for this. Good, week. good. Yeah. We we dodged we dodged that. Holy okay. mackerel! Wow. I mean, I'm just sitting there like I'm gonna have nightmares. Yeah, it, it it just blows you away. And then we had a loss. Um, I'm more familiar with college basketball than. Uh, of course, you are, Jack, because I follow it, and it's very big in Philadelphia. So a longtime coach of Temple University, John Cheney, he passed away. 
He just passed away. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know about this. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, the thing about Cheney was what I liked about him. Now he never won, never got to a Final Four, right? Yeah, but, but he was the John Wooden of Temple. Yes, he was the guy at Temple. They love him, loved him in Temple. Just loved him in Philadelphia because he his concern was building men. And he always stayed in touch with his players. Like after they got out, was always helpful. And that was his thing. But yeah, they never got to the final four because they couldn't recruit. Um, he never got the big recruits. You know, and, and I, I always wanted to see him get there. He got close in 1984. And 1988 was probably his best um, recruiting, uh, is probably his best class. And he got to the final eight, um, but never made a final four. But tremendous coach, great guy, great person, husband, father, and um, led, led a great life and uh, a staple in Philadelphia. You know, we in Philly, we have some staples. Like we claim Sylvester Stallone and a few other people as ours. And John Cheney, he's one of ours those of us that are from Philly. Yeah, I, I, I can see that easily. easily. Yeah. And I'm not that familiar with college basketball, but I knew about his passing. And um, yeah, he was like the John Wooden of Temple. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, rest in peace. Wow, wow. That's some massive, massive losses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so before we talk, before we talk about the big game on Sunday. Um, we said last week we were going to put together what we thought were our favorite football films of all time. Yeah. So, Paco, you want to go first? Yeah, please. Okay. Nothing with the Peanuts comic strip counts. <laughs> yes. In football... That is throwing the football, not kicking. Exactly. I promise no Ghostbusters either, okay? All right, thank you. All right. Uh, number five, Varsity Blues. Wait a second. Are you going to say the Brady Bunch game? No, no. Marsha gets hit in the nose? No. Let's, let's let the poor guy go. Thank go you. Ahead, All right. All right, starting with number five, Varsity Blues. Who doesn't like a little Paul Walker? Uh, number four. No, wait, Varsity Blues. Hang on. Varsity Blues and... Um, James Conn's son in it, right? Uh, Vanderbeek and yeah, Scott Conn was in it as well. That actually, yeah, okay. And of course, I Paul know that. I know that movie. I know that movie. Yeah. That's a good movie. It is a good, good movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is a good movie. All right. Remember the Titans is number four. Obviously, that was a big one growing Ooh. up in high school. Denzel. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the one that really kicked it off. And then uh, number three is a really favorite. It's one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies, The Water Boy. All right. All right. That's that's one of your favorite football movies. Yes, you got a problem with uh, that? No, no, it's an it's an opinion thing. You can't get it wrong. Good, right? Just keep going. I mean, that that one was wrong, but yeah, I get you. Okay, <laughs> you're really gonna hate my next one. Number two, the longest yard, the 2005 version. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not a bad that's not a bad choice because um, I actually have the original on my list. So yeah. that's I thought the, I thought the remake was really well done with a bigger budget. 
No, of course. But yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a really good one. If they can yeah. convince Burt Reynolds to to you know be in this in that film as well, then you know it's worth saying something, right? They didn't have to convince him when he knew yeah. it was going into production. He pushed yeah. to be in it. Yeah. All right. Now my I, number one absolute film, favorite football film, I should say, is Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have lived high school football you, almost my entire life, and that movie yeah. is hundred percent dead on accurate. You saved yeah. yourself with that that pick right there. Absolutely offset the water boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I try no, to be Marco, perfect, right? So that's a good that's a good list. Oh, it that's is a, a good, good list, list. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. What do you got? In no particular order, I, I think we're we're going to end up having uh, some of the same. Remember the Titans, Friday Night Lights, uh, Invincible, Longest oh, Yard. I forgot that one. I love that one. Yeah, because again, I'm I'm from Philadelphia, so again, and it's, it's a true story. Right. And and Wahlberg did such a good job portraying him. And as a matter of fact, the guy uh, Vince. Um, uh, Vince Papel. What was it? Yeah, he he said that Wahlberg made him look like he had a lot more personality than he actually had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that was a very that was a very Rudy type movie. It was, you know, it was a very Jack. And then the last one, the last one that I have, of course, the longest yard, the the original one. Um, was that the last? You and I have talked about this before, Jack. Was that the last movie? With Burt Reynolds without his mustache. Um, I'm thinking Deliverance. Well, uh, Deliverance was 1971. It was 70. It was 72 or three, I think. Deliverance 72, and then the longest shot was Paco. Paco, you got your computer there. When when did Deliverance come out? It was in the 70s. Yeah, it was early. Sure. It was definitely early seventies. Um, Reynolds didn't have a mustache. I got it. When uh, came. Hold up, Deliverance was in nineteen seventy-two. Longest Yard was in, I think seventy-four. Oh, really? So yeah, you're right. Last movie because his mustache was the magic. That was the secret sauce. Right, and then for his career, of course, and then there was Smoking the Bandit in seventy-seven. Right, but we're talking about the fact that Burt Reynolds' mustache was the absolute sexiest thing in movies long before you were born, Paco. But his mustache was the best mustache on the planet. And the moment he started with the mustache, which, by the way, he grew to separate himself from the fact that people kept mixing him up with Marlon Brando. Right. Now, now yeah. talking about... Now, mustache, talking about going- now, Jack, talking about going against the grain, everybody thought his uh, mustache was sexy. Now, my mother was a huge Burt Reynolds fan. She so hated, the, she hated the mustache. She thought really? he was like the sexiest. Yeah, she thought he was like the sexiest man on the planet, but she hated the mustache. Then she, um, she moved off of him. Once he got the mustache, she was like, "No, I'm done with him." Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. If he had shaved his mustache in starting over with uh, Jill Clayburgh, in which he was nominated for an Academy Award, I'm wondering if he had a mustache in starting oh, over. Yeah, that's Baco, right. Did Burt Reynolds have a mustache in the movie Starting Over? 
Can you pull it up? Um, yeah, because because I'm wondering if he, he had changed his look, because that was a great no, movie, too. He didn't have a mustache in that one. Did not? No. That he shaved that would have been the last one without the mustache then. Starting so, over. Okay, what so year, then. What year? So, 79. 79. Oh, yeah. So he shaved for that one because he had it um, in the other movies. Because how I know he had it? Because my mother drugged me and drug us to see um, all of his other like car crash movies like Gator and all that other kind of stuff. I, I saw all those in the theater. Yeah. I saw all of those in the theater. My mother drug us, including my father, to see those Burt Reynolds movies. I saw them all. all I'll tell you what. Your mom must have been pretty content knowing that Burt Reynolds lost to Dustin Hoffman starring in Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Which <laughs> was, a, was a superior film. But yeah. he lost, he, he lost a quite, you know, quite a favorite there. Because yes. Kramer versus Kramer was an incredible movie, and it introduced us to Meryl Streep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely. That, 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 that's interesting. I'm glad you're, you said, God, I wish I'd spent some time with your mom. Your mom was a Burt Reynolds fan. We could have talked Burt Reynolds for hours. Yeah. She, she was a huge, and I'll tell you, you, yeah, you would have loved my mother because she was a Stallone fan. Of course, being from Philly, she right. loved John Travolta because she treated him, got his autograph when he got injured when she was a young nurse. When he did, he filmed, he filmed Blowout and he got injured and was wheeled into the hospital at the time. It was called St. Luke's, uh, Joey Bishop's Hospital. That's where my mother worked at the time. And she treated uh, John Travolta when he did Blowout. And I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something. And your mom, now, now that I'm finding out more about your mom, first of all, the whole Stallone thing, you know, we could have gone for days on that. Oh, yeah. Um, my very first acting lesson was from Burt Reynolds at the Burt Reynolds Theater in Florida. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. My very first acting lesson. And, and you know who taught me to drive? How, how do you? A.J. Foyt. Oh, God. <laughs> now you know why I had so many speeding tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, yeah, you and my mother, you guys would have had a lot. Yeah, to we would have, we would have, we would have been playing backgammon and talking and talking and talking. It would have been fantastic. Yeah. All right, let me, let me, let me do my list, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do them. You know, um, I'm gonna do them from five to one. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Blindside. The Blindside. Good one. Okay. Good one. Sandra Bullock, Academy Award winning. Um, then I'm going to go with the original Longest Yard. Mm-hmm. Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino. Oh, that's a good movie. That, and, and that was my fifth because I didn't get a chance to give five, but you're, that's, I'm right there with Is you. Any Given Sunday your, your, your fifth? Yeah, that's my fifth. Love that movie. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. you hadn't finished. Well, that's okay because we got off on uh, Burt Reynolds. I like I yeah, said, we, yeah. we love Burt. Any given Sunday, that speech. You look at the man to the right of you. You look at the man to your left. What a great speech! Yeah, it's it's two minutes and fifteen seconds of gold. Yeah, I uh, so 
Then I have Rudy. Okay. And I was fortunate enough to work on a film with Charles S. Dutton and um, um, Brian Dennehy um, called uh, A Search for Justice. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that year I worked on Poetic Justice, Alfred Justice, and A Search for Justice. <laughs> <laughs> but Rudy, yeah, to, to have worked with Dutton after he did Rudy, I mean, I couldn't stop talking to him about it. And to tell you the truth, he was all talked out about, I mean, everyone must talk to him about Rudy because he was not looking to talk anymore, Rudy. <laughs> and of course, I'm like an idiot. I'm a, a young actor. I'm all like, I'm in the scene right next to him. I couldn't shut up about it. <laughs> and my favorite football movie of all time is Warren Beatty, Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. All right. I had, I had a pretty good list. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Heaven Can Wait. Now, let's let's do our predictions for Sunday. Paco, what do you think is going to happen? I want money on K- on Casey. No, what do you think? What do you think they're going to win by? Three points. Oh, late field goal. Listen to Paco. All right. What's they're the spread? Squeak by the spread six and a half. Hmm. KC is the favorite. Corey, I know, I know you, where your heart is at and which quarterback. I know. And, and you know how I feel about the enormous, ridiculous, unprecedented success of one of these quarterbacks. Yeah. But, and I know you'd like to see one last hurrah, but what are you predicting? Um, Patrick Mahomes is a different beast. Kansas City is a completely different beast. I have the score at 35-24, Kansas City winning. I think that it will be close for a bit. Here's what I think. Here's two scenarios that I can see happen, two. And it's really not a cop-out, but I'm really – both scenarios, I have KC winning. But I can see KC just blowing the doors off in the beginning. Absolutely blowing the doors off of them and getting out to like a 27-point lead. And then uh, Tampa Bay coming back and then falling short. That's one scenario. And then the other scenario is that I think it'll be punch, counterpunch, counterpunch, counterpunch. And then in the fourth quarter, I think it gets to be too much. Tariki Hill, McCall Hardman, uh, Watkins, and all those other speedsters. They just take over in the fourth quarter. But either way, I think it's a I think it's a double figure spread. I don't I don't think anybody can stay with those receivers. No one can. Well, it's funny. It, you know what? I'm imagining because of Bruce Arians and his preparation and how he knows Andy Reid and Andy knows Bruce. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. I don't know if you remember when Joe Montana went to KC and then he yeah. found himself in a Monday night game against John Elway. And literally mm-hmm. it was hail Mary bomb fly pattern, go pattern. And they just kept trading touchdowns until the clock ran out. I mean, they couldn't, neither offense could be stopped. And I'm wondering 
if we might be fortunate enough to see a really high scoring shootout and then somebody who's in their forties runs out of gas. Well, the problem, <laughs> the, the problem is, is that Kansas city has a tremendous, they're not known for it, but they have it, a tremendous pass rush up the middle with uh, the two headed monster with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. So right. that I, that I think and is Chris going- Jones doesn't like Brady at all. Right. Well, I don't think that matters. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I think about it matters that. because he's a big guy. He's strong and he seems to lose control. I mean, the last time they played, you could hear because there was no crowd. You could hear Chris Jones telling him you're a has-been, you're a has-been, you know? I mean, I'm like, you don't say that to a legend. Brady's used to that though. I mean, he really is. He, I don't think right. he cares one I'm thinking, bit. I'm thinking Casey covers. Um, yeah. You get three for being the home team, and the spread is three and a half, which means the spread is actually six and a half. I think KC yeah. wins by at least seven. Um, I I can't tell you how much it will feel like a screwdriver in my stomach if I watch Brady come from behind, down nine, and score ten late in the game. I will... You see this beautiful hair? I'll be going to your doctor to get some more put back in. <laughs> well, see, here's the th- here's the thing that you don't here's the thing. Kansas City can come back and score. They won't do the things that Green Bay did or New Orleans. They're a different beast. Andy Reid's a different coach. He'll go for it on fourth down. The problem is this. You cannot let Brady have the ball with like two minutes left. And only up by like five or six. That's well, when Brady, the screwdriver. With two minutes left and two timeouts, you might as well just put five minutes on the clock. Yeah, I mean, so that's the problem. So they need to be far enough ahead so that it won't matter with it won't matter with Brady. Because I mean, look, um, with uh, that Super Bowl that they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, um, they still. Brady still, I mean, 505 yards? I mean, he was destroying the Eagle defense and just didn't have I me mean, think about it, just didn't have enough time. He just ran out of time. But think about well, that. I mean, that, those are all the elements of a horse race. You run out of time, you know, that, that's, you, you got to manage the clock better so that you have that time at the end. But yet, Brady, um, if I remember right, he got sacked with no timeouts and not enough time to reset and clock the ball. Right. Yeah. And he, he clocked it because I can, I got to tell you before he got sacked, those of us that were watching that, we still thought he was coming back. It looked like, win. yeah, it looked like, Oh no, yeah. he's going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know what you're saying, man. I, I, I saw it. And then, and when that defense got a hold of him, I thought they'll never get, Everybody to line in time. It's over. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So I mean, so Brady, look, Brady, Brady this will be this will be his tenth big game, yep. and he's six and three. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna say six and four is not bad. I'd be okay with that. I think he'll be okay with it. But what it'll do is it'll fuel him to come back the next season. So you'll still have to deal with. You still have to deal with him and worry 
and have that screwdriver in your stomach, knowing, <laughs> knowing that he's seriously, knowing that he's going to come back again, especially if he loses. Yeah, <laughs> he's still got a chip on his shoulder for being picked 199th. Brady is still that guy who's angry on draft day. I I love that about him. I love his competitive spirit. By the way, by the way, his arch nemesis in the AFC East looks like they're going to acquire Deshaun Watson, which means Darnold will leave the Jets and go to Houston. That looks like that deal is going through. Just going to kind of throw that out there. And by next week, when we do the show next week, we'll know if the Jets have a new quarterback. I know they're trying to get Quinn and Williams as a throw-in in exchange for a draft pick. But Quinn and Williams is a beast. I would not get rid of him. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I would rather have Quentin Williams than Darnold. I tell him you, you can keep Darnold. Just keep him. Well, I tell you what, um, the AFC East will be the most competitive, the most enjoyable division in all of football next year, this year coming up this season. Yeah. They will be, that will be the division with Buffalo Patriots on the mend jets improved. And I guess Miami will hang around. Yeah, Miami will be good. Um, remember this, Miami, they have Houston's number one pick. Right. Which is third, right. Which is third overall. So Huge. watch out. Uh, and let me ask you a question. What, sure. what is it about? Why do you hate Brady so much? Seriously. I, I just, like, just give it to me straight. What is it about him that bothers you? I know you're a Jet fan. Okay. I get- um, I, 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 re- I regret that my Jets passed on Lamar Jackson. I regret that my Jets passed on Patrick Mahomes. But when I look at the fact that they passed on Brady three times in that draft. Sure. And, the, and then the Patriots picked him just because they couldn't figure out who else to pick. It was a throwaway pick. Right. I mean, nobody had their eye on it. He goes right. up to Robert Kraft and says, Choosing me will be the best decision you ever made with this team. And he said, all right, thanks a lot, Tim. He didn't even know his name. And he has has this incredible, incredible success at the Jets' expense. I just sit there and I think, this is like, you you know when um, the Washington Generals played the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh (laughs) Yeah. Or when... Or when Perry Mason went against Hamilton Berger, you know, I mean, it was, it just, it just was, it's so rotten to root for the generals, you know, (laughs) but he's not beating them in the playoffs though. So it's not like he's impeding the jets. I I just curious. One of my, one of my favorite moments was the jets eliminating the Patriots in the playoffs in 2009 or 10. I watched people, running out of their houses in New York aimlessly into the snow, just running randomly into snow banks. Everybody was so happy. But but you guys have experienced that for 20 years. And that could have been us. We had we had Belichick. We could have had Brady. I it could have that could have all been ours. Okay. That that's so all right. I think, that's I think it's sour I think it's sour grapes. That makes sense. That that actually makes that makes you as a Jet fan, that makes a lot of sense. I, I just yeah. when I talk to like Bears fans, 
And I'm like, why do you hate him so much? Why do you hate the Patriots? Your Patriots hardly ever play you. Like you're not even a rival. Like a, like a Steeler fan. I get why Steeler fans hate, hate Brady and the Patriots. I get that. Three times, three-time loser in the AFC championship game against the Patriots. I get that. Right. But some of these personal to teams like the Steelers out of Pittsburgh, which is a very blue-collar town. Teams like Oakland, when they were in Oakland, very sure. blue-collar town. This the is Colts. what they've got. Yeah. This is what they hang their hat on. And you got yeah. a guy like Brady, who's coming from Central California, going to the Patriots, gathering up Super Bowl trophies and rings, and having this absolutely... If you had written this story 20 years ago, Hollywood wouldn't have made it because it would have been too unbelievable. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, you know, you're my friend. I'm happy for you. I used to hang out in a Patriots bar and, and a Red Sox bar and players. And those were my friends. And I was happy for them. But, you know, enough's enough of being happy for you guys. Let's be happy for me for a little bit. <laughs> well, believe me, I, I'm a Patriots fan. And so I, I don't know what they're going to do. So, I mean, I, so now I, you have more hope than I do if you get to Sean Watson. So I, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to have to take some lumps here for a little bit. Well, you know, we're going to have an interesting battle this year, but we still have a problem with the Bills. So, you know, the, yeah. Bills, the Bills, the Bills, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Bills completely swept the AFC East this year. Oh, no, I noticed. They're going to be a problem yeah. going forward. They're yeah, they swept everybody. I mean, there, yeah. there's a good six games you gathered, but um, anyway, we'll we, we'll we'll talk about this some more after the big game is over and stuff. But um, I say I say we wrap this thing up. We got our predictions in our football uh, football movie choices. All good, Paco. Nice job. Um, and, I say we wrap up. I'm gonna go. And Jack, what I'm going to do? Here I go. I'm going to take it off. I'm right, take I'm it looking. off. I'm going to let the audience know what I'm looking at. Hang on. Oh, oh, it is. You know what? You made it, you made it sound, you made it sound kind of like hard on the eyes. That looks good. I there think it that is. looks good. No, that looks good. You look, you look really good. I mean, <laughs> to tell you the truth, with or without it, you look good. I mean, you kind of can't lose. But if you're more, if you're more comfortable with it, you've done good. I can't believe there's yeah. 2,000 strands of hair in our head. That seems like a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it I'll tell is. you what, yeah. if, it, if, it, if it makes you happy, if it makes you feel better, you know, but then you're not going to be wearing hats all the time and suffocating the, uh, the um, follicles. Right. Right. So, no, I'm, I, I just did it for because that's what I was going to do during the Well, I'm going to be running my hands. I'm run my fingers through your hair now when we're out, okay? All right. I'll be making wishes. <laughs> All right, guys. Good show. Real good show. Real good show. Um, yes. We want to thank the Queen of Queens, Garen. We're going to thank Robin with a Y in the Nest for their contributions. Paco, you have been nails. You have been absolutely nails, nails lately. Corey? I mean, couldn't do it without you, man. I mean, 
you're the balance. You're the seesaw balance with this. You know, we, we've got a good thing going here. Yes, I'm we do. Jack Vecchio with my partner, The Rock. Corey, <laughs> The Rock, The Iron Man, Ramsey. Right. The fuzzy, the fuzzy rock. <laughs> yeah, the no hair, the no hair rock right now. <laughs> no, you do. You, you look, you look good. Um, you can, you can contact us, JV to the Pros on Facebook, all spelled out. We're on Instagram, JV to the Pros at Instagram. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Spotify. Um, we're we're on in my bedroom. We're everywhere. Um, Paco. You technical genius, you keep up the great work, Corey. I will be in touch with you this week, and we'll put together the itinerary for next week's show. What do you say? Sounds good. All Sounds right, good. guys. We thank you very much for listening, and that is season three, episode five of JV to the Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio signing off. Corey, say goodbye to the good folks. Goodbye, good folks. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Night, guys. All right.